Hello and welcome to Ciscast, the bi-weekly podcast in which I'm bi throughout the week and also sometimes every now and then when I feel like it, maybe, perhaps, I upload an episode. So today I'm gonna be talking about fun and stun culture. In particular, I, I was looking for articles, for news to do on this episode so that I could do something like the first two episodes. But I decided to do something different today because I found this one article. Basically, the title of the article is, let me find it, The Therapeutic Potential of Stunning. And I saw that and I thought it was going to be something that I already discussed with a friend of mine. And it ended up not being that, but it is a really interesting article, so I really recommend it, reading it. It should be in the description below. And um, yeah, I'm gonna be talking about this article, and then I'm gonna be talking about why I actually think the title of this article is inaccurate. And then I'm gonna be talking about what I thought this article was gonna be about. About. I said about, I don't know, seven, eight times. Anyway, um, so basically, this article is about, again, um, how two therapists in particular, but I, I don't know, I think there are more than them, these two therapists use fandom to treat their patients. Uh, one of them is Yanina Scarlett, and the other one is Josue, uh, let me find it, I forgot the last name, Josue Cardona. So, Yanina calls it superhero therapy, and Josue calls it geek therapy. What this is, is basically, they ask their patients um, what their favorite TV show, their favorite film, their favorite even video game or comic book, whatever type of media, what their favorite is. And if they have a certain character that they relate to, so that basically what it ends up being is these patients talking about their own problems through the character's minds, sort of. Uh, as in, they relate so much to these characters that in the end they are basically talking as if they were talking about those characters, but in, in, in reality they are talking about themselves. There are a few examples in, in the article, and again, I really recommend reading it. Uh, a few examples are in the first episodes of Veronica Mars, Veronica is uh, was dumped by her boyfriend. She felt alone in this school. She didn't have many friends, and one of their patient, one of Yanina's patients, felt exactly like that. And like it's kind of inspiring how Veronica still with all those problems that she has still manages to get on top of everything. She's a fighter, so 
uh, Janina used that to, you know, do therapy with her patient. Uh, another one, uh, this is heavier for sure. Um, so trigger warning for sexual assault. This girl was assaulted sexually. And of course, it is really difficult to open up about that. And instead of talking about that, instead of forcing her, because that's not how you do therapy, they actually sat down and watched episodes of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. And spoiler for Buffy, in, I think, fourth or fifth season, Buffy dies and she is resurrected. But Buffy doesn't really like the fact that she has been resurrected. And she talks with Spike about how her life on Earth after being resurrected is worse than actual hell. Uh, like everything, everything she feels is like a nightmare to her. So this patient paused the episode and said to Janina, this is how I feel. And, you know, it's just to relate so much to one character, uh, to deal uh, deal with their own issues with the character's issues. Um, I do think that the title of this article is inaccurate because it says that these are therapeutic... I already forgot what the title is... Uh, these are therapeutic potential of stunning. I don't think this is stunning because a stun is not exactly that. I don't think that you can stun a TV show or even a fictitious character. You are more of a fan. You can use the fandom for that. But I don't think that is stun. I think stun is something different. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that in a bit. But before doing that, I will go to tell you why Yanina calls it superhero therapy. I mean, it might be obvious, but, you know, superheroes have their own origin stories. And it's always inspiring how they have all of these dark backstories. But they always rise to the top and conquer all of their struggles to, for the benefit of humanity or the benefit of themselves depending on the superhero, but usually it's just the origin story is always a really tough backstory, but they always come out on top. And that is really inspiring to uh, Yanina, who also has a superhero origin of her own. And she she says in this article, she gives an account of her story, as in... She was from Ukraine, I think, and she went to America when she was very little, and it was really difficult for her. She couldn't even speak English. But when X-Men came out, she really resonated with that. You know, X-Men is all about... Um, it's all an allegory for minorities, basically, for how people always are against the different and every time the x-men the mutants they are always oh also she was near chernobyl 
she lived near Chernobyl. So that is another thing that um, she struggled with, like not living near Chernobyl, but the bullying that came with that, because everybody said, oh, you're radioactive, you're a mutant, because of the Chernobyl, you know, tragedy. Um, So yeah, when she saw X-Men with actual mutants in it, who overcome those struggles of being ignored and being basically set aside, um, she felt understood for the most part. That is her story. Uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of trouble explaining things. You're better off going to read the article, which is, again, really interesting. Of course, it explains her story much better than I ever will, even if I rehearse it billions of times. So, yeah, go check that out. But now I will tell you why I don't think this is stunning, because um, I don't know how to define stunning, but what I think of a stun is a very, very, very dedicated fan. It's not the same thing as saying, oh, I like Game of Thrones. It's like, I stan Emilia (laughs) Clarke. Like, I know everything that Emilia Clarke does. And, of course, it can seem bad. The origins are bad. Even, like, the etymology of the word is bad. It doesn't mean the same uh, anymore, I don't think. Like, I wouldn't say it means the same thing. So, I will tell you about the origin now. Basically, the word stan comes from the song of the same name by Eminem, in which this guy, called Stan, is basically a stalker, and he sends all of these letters to um, to Eminem, saying how much of a fan he is, how much he gave to Eminem, how much Eminem actually owed him his gratitude, his... Um, recognition or whatever and he of course Eminem is busy and couldn't respond immediately to the letters and this guy got really mad and with every letter it got worse and worse until in at least in the video I don't know if this is something that actually happened or if in the video and the song uh, it's kind of an exaggeration of you know, something that might have happened, but not as severe as this one. But at in the end of this video, Stan uh, drowns himself and his pregnant partner. Um, drowns all of them in, in a lake. Uh, just because, you know, it's... He wanted to send a statement, basically, and saying... Uh, this is all your fault, Eminem. Uh, it at that time it wasn't really Eminem. It was, um, oh, what was he called? Slim Shady. Yeah, Slim. He called him Slim, if I remember correctly. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's the origin of Stan. It's a really bad one. It's a really negative one. And Eminem chose the the name Stan because it meant stalker and fun. Um, so yeah, it, it is really extreme. And the extreme is still here in in all of the Stan 
cultural things, but it's way more toned down, luckily. Um, so, I, again, I don't think it's as severe right now, but I have never been a stan of anything. I have always been a fan of many things, but never have I been as dedicated to something to call myself a stan. But I know people that are stans. For example, a few friends of mine are K-pop stans, and they follow so many groups. They follow uh, BTS, of course, it's the most famous ones, the, the most famous one, but also other groups like Monster X, uh, Atis, I don't know, all of those Stray Kids, I don't really remember all, all of them. Uh, but yeah, I like K-pop. I like a few of those groups. Like, I, I do enjoy BTS. I don't really, I, I wouldn't call myself a fan either. But I am a fan of Luna. I am a fan of Mamamoo. Um, I do like them. I'm a fan of G-Idol. Basically, I'm a f more, more of a fan of girl groups and boy groups in K-pop. Anyway, that's a whole other other podcast. <laughs> Right now, I wanted to say that I know secondhand how Astan interacts with their fandom. Yes, they are really, really, extremely dedicated to that. As in, there are people who actually cry when, for example, recently, a member of... Uh, what was it? EXO? No, it wasn't EXO. I don't remember. I think Oh, Stray Kids. Oh my god. My friend is gonna kill me. But <laughs> I don't remember. I remember he's called Wono. And he left his group. And um, a lot of people cried over that. And it, I'm not shaming them. It's not a bad thing. I'm actually about to say how I think that all of that is a good thing. Because they are so dedicated to that. That they find happiness in that. They find so much happiness. Again, it's like an extreme form of fandom in which, yes, if your favorite musician releases a new album, you're happy. If you're a stan of that musician, you're not only happy, you are, are exalted. You are so fucking happy. So, you know... I don't really know how to explain it, but basically all of the emotions that they feel are ten times more the ones that are kind of normal, quote-unquote, fun would feel. So that's why I think it could be a good thing. Also, when you're passionate about something, that's always a good thing. And basically, people just want to have fun. That's kind of the moral of the story. Let people have fun. Don't shame people just because they like something, even if they like it so much that sometimes they actually are maybe too sad because of those. And with that, I want to briefly mention that it's not all good things, of course. Like, stands are known for you know, the negative aspects. And I don't dispute that those are a thing. They really are. They, that there can be 
some really ugly wars, like fandom wars, flame wars, and they can be really obnoxious. Not only stands, it can happen with just fandoms in general. Like, I can tell you, I love Steven Universe. I love it so, so, so much. And for the most part, the whole show is about, you know, loving and the wholesomeness of the show. But there are some fans that are that feel the need to gatekeep people. Like, oh, you didn't watch this. Oh, you don't remember this part about this episode. Well, you're not a real fan. You don't really understand. No, that's not the point. (laughs) That's literally not the point of the show. One of the main things I think about when talking about these kind of things, I don't know why I talked about Steven Universe. I actually have never experienced toxicity in the Steven Universe fandom. What I did experience toxicity from, or in, rather, is the Undertale fandom. Undertale, again, the whole message, the whole thing is all wholesome and really sweet. The fact that you don't have to fight people, you can talk it out and be peaceful and and be a pacifist, literally. But... That toxicity in that fandom, oh my god, (laughs) I swear, it's like I'm afraid now to say that I like Undertale, because every time somebody even mentions Undertale, everybody thinks immediately that they're one of those toxic fans, and (laughs) I don't even want to say it (laughs) anymore. Uh, So, yeah. There are definitely negative aspects to fandoms, to stand culture, but, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to dwell too much on that, because what I really believe is that if you see toxicity, you shouldn't even think about it. You shouldn't even think about approaching that. You should just completely ignore it and let it flow away. Because in the end, even with Undertale, yes, there is a lot of toxicity. But all of that toxicity is just a minority. It is the loudest part of the fandom, I think. Like, I really believe that it is the loudest part of the fandom. As in, I do like Undertale, but I'm not outspoken on it. On the contrary, people who are... That toxic, that toxic, toxic, are really outspoken on how much they love Undertale and they love it more than you. How dare you even say that you enjoy it? Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm saying they are the loudest part, but they are the less part. I don't know if that makes sense grammatically or I don't know in general, uh, but. Yeah, they are the loudest minority. And you are actually part of the majority that just isn't that interested in, you know, being outspoken on it. it, I mean, it's normal that you wouldn't just be loudly admitting that you love something unless you're a stan. And again, 
that is another pro of being a stan because yes there are a lot of negative stans a lot of toxicity in the stan culture but they are also outspoken in how much they love love in the fandom they love each other and you can really tell that there is a camaraderie like my friends met so many people on twitter all of these stunts that they bonded over their common interests and it's it's just really sweet you know so in the end again the message here is just let people have fun <laughs> why like yeah just let people have fun that's all basically But before I end the episode, I just wanted to recommend something. As I said earlier, I am a fan of Luna. I am actually a huge fan of Luna. Like, Loki a stan. I don't consider myself a stan of anything. But if there was one thing that I would be considering myself a stan of, it would be Luna, because I am really obsessed with it i love the girls i love the story the narrative the choreographies the aesthetics and yeah it's really really cool what they do so what i wanted to recommend is actually um a youtube video that you know there are a lot of incredible talented fans in in the K-pop community and they always do so many cool things. One of them, called Bean on YouTube, made a sort of interactive game demo that is like Detroit Become Human and it's so cool. It also helps explain the Luna universe and story in a much more concise way than I ever would. Like, I plan on making a podcast, if anybody's interested, on the Luna, um, the Luna universe and the story of Luna. But I am really bad at explaining stuff. This one instead, again, being on YouTube, it's called Lunaverse, Luna Interactive Game Demo. And they made such a good job explaining everything in such a neat sort of game. I mean, it's not really a game, but it looks like Detroit Become Human, and it's incredible. Like, really, go check it out. I really love it. And with that, that is the end of today's episode. I'm sorry if it was a bit rumbly, but, you know, I... I was interested in this topic and I wanted to talk about it. Uh, Let me know what you think about it. And yeah, I will see you next time. Maybe in two weeks. Maybe even before that. (laughs) We'll see. But for now, bye. Thanks for listening.